Yeah, look, thanks, Johnny. Uh, I saw Johnny and Chris pitch their idea last July, uh, which is not that long ago, um, but it just shows that ideas can come to fruition in a very short amount of time, which uh, is, is one of the, the themes that we're going to be talking about. Uh, so, Johnny mentioned it, I am uh, an entrepreneur. I uh, had a moderately successful software business, which uh, I stepped down as CEO last year. Uh, I'm an investor, I run Innovation Bay, I've um, been doing that for 10 years now, uh, and I'm a corporate guy, so I've got a sort of weird hybrid mix of, of different roles. Uh, I'm also Scottish, so you can, uh, you can understand me. So, um, But there's a couple of things we're going to touch on tonight. Uh, one is to talk about the issues around the you know, startup market. What is the problem that we're trying to fix? Uh, and then we can try and talk about some of the solutions that we may want to try and get into. So, um, maybe try and, you know, I'm going to pick and poll because, uh, you know, it's, uh, oh, maybe not pick, that's the wrong word. And I was at a dinner with Bruce, I don't think he got beaten up, so uh, he was probably just over- overblowing it to get some sympathy. Um, so, and it hasn't been talked about, but uh, the Crossroads report just came out last week, and I, I know I saw your, in your notepad, Paul, that you, you've read it. Has anyone else read the Crossroads report? I read it last, yeah. It's a good read. I'd, I'd recommend it. It's all about the startup ecosystem and the, the challenges and the problems around it. Uh, and just to give an idea of some of the, the numbers that, that I've pulled out of it, so uh, in the angel investment front, so at the really early stage, um, there's about 11 formal angel groups in, in Australia. Uh, invested within those groups about 25 million. They reckon that uh, you can leverage that up by about 10 times to get to 250 million. Now compare that to the US, 300, sorry, 32 billion last year. Uh, and the venture capital uh, invested front, and I don't know whether these numbers are quite right, I think I saw different numbers in the, um, the report I saw today, but approximately 100 million Australian dollars were invested here last year. Uh, from Australian VCs. Now, there's one deal from uh, the Campaign Monitor did with Index Ventures that uh, took in 320 million. So, Atlassian, Ozforex, all the billion-dollar companies that we're seeing have been funded by US VCs. Uh, and the last one I'll say before I ask the question: uh, nine US companies. Uh, so, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Google, um, you know, all of those guys. Between them, didn't exist 15 years ago. Now, make up six percent of US GDP. So when you read this in the Crossroad report, Paul, did you squirm? I mean, how did you feel about that, and how, how can we? What's your perception of the problem? Uh, well, look, my response was the same as as Bruce's and uh, many other figures uh, in the government, which is this is very exciting. I mean, there's a huge potential here, but we also need to recognise that competition is more intense than ever, and the internet obviously means that uh, capital is more mobile and opportunities are more mobile. And, you know, just look at what Chris and Johnny are doing over in New Zealand uh, because they've got some regulatory settings which have meant their business can get started now, whereas we don't have that ready yet. So I think you know, the, the, the range of measures that the, the Startup Oz reports have talked about in terms of things like uh, STEM education, uh, uh, settings for both uh, angel investing and venture capital investing further down the track, uh, these are all um, factors that are clearly part of the success of um, hotspots like Silicon Valley, like Israel. So there, there, there's, a, there's a range of... There's a range of, of policy levers in this space. And I think one of the really important things in the discussion about uh, crowdsourced equity funding, if we take that as a specific, is 
You know, Bruce has described the work he's doing as a responsible minister to look at changing the existing settings which apply to the raising of equity capital. So the prospectus rules that have been in place in various forms for 100 odd years and in the current form probably 30 years. Uh, so there's a set of safeguards that were developed with a view to protecting investors against getting ripped off and they've got a set of assumptions built into them about, for example, the way you disseminate information. 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, the most efficient way to disseminate information to investors was a printed prospectus. Now that's all changed, but the regulatory framework uh, needs to catch up. So I think the startup was report is a terrific piece of work. I think the white paper that we're, uh, that's been launched tonight is another terrific piece of work. I think the advocacy from so many people in the sector is outstanding, particularly when a lot of them are also trying to get businesses up and make money. Uh, and I'd say keep doing it. Uh, and the more factual material you're putting in front of policymakers, and, and please talk to both sides of politics, and I, should, and I know if that's being done, that's very important to do as well. Talk to journalists, make the case to them. All of that is part of the picture, and there are so many specifics. For example, one of the things in the start of Oz report uh, was Korea has a policy of um, facilitating academics stepping out of an academic post for, I think, up to five years and retaining tenure. Uh, there's policy measures across a whole range of areas, uh, education, um, uh, tax policy, uh, financial services, and so on. So one of the complexities is uh, recognising that it's policy settings across a whole range of areas. So, um, but when I saw the report, trying to answer lots of opportunity, and yes, there's a lot of things government needs to go to. Okay, thank you. Um, now ben, you're unique because you're an angel investor and a venture capitalist. I mean, do you want to give us your perspective of the, the problem that we're trying to solve here? Sure. Um, so, my, my particular interest is, is is around the fintech space, and that's for, for entirely selfish reasons. I think the fintech space uh, represents the most uh, extraordinary opportunity to build businesses and create value uh, that we've seen for, for 20 years. I think the, the growth in fintech can be, you know, and will be, really enormous. And most interestingly, and, and we, you know, we, we sort of sit here wearing a, a, a national hat as well. Most interestingly, I think Australia can be and should be uh, a, a really prime player in that space, back to you know, good old-fashioned comparative advantage. Uh, you know, let's keep in mind one of the benefits of having this big oligopoly uh, sort of four-pillars banking structure and in a very, very strong in regulatory environment is we have, you know, we have some real platform on which the rest of the world perceives us very positively. Um, Toby and I, uh, my brother Toby and I caught up with some US venture capitalists quite recently and we started pitching the virtues of, of fintech in Australia uh, and, and this fellow sort of stopped us a minute or so into the conversation and said, you don't need to convince me that Australia is good at fintech. Everyone knows Australia's good at financial services. Um, and, and he used the example of, of, of a market like Israel, which, which is very strong uh, in, in, in certain fields, an example being, being security. Uh, that they have done 
a far better job than I think Australia has done in terms of developing that technology within a market and then taking it in, into bigger uh, markets in terms of sales. Now, there's some examples, and Andy referred to a couple of those, uh, Campaign Monitor and Lassian and others uh, in recent times. I'd like to think that three or four years from now, there will be at least a handful and, and hopefully more really, really interesting uh, Australian fintech businesses that are started here that are still employing people here that have created big markets overseas as well. And so, uh, to, to sort of Ian's question, uh, um, what my view is that uh, all of us need to sort of find out how we can facilitate the different parts of that chain. What, what's what's a, been a real focus for us has been the, the incubator, the accelerator in the market. Um, and, you know, I, if I go back 18 months, I came out of, you know, big institutional land and um, I, I had real questions in my mind as to whether there were, there were good constructive ideas in Australia. Not that you know, Australia doesn't produce ideas, but just we don't have an evolved venture capital market and so are the smart people out there who've, who've got the, the ambition. Um, it, it, wearing my, my old AWI hat, we, we saw over 230 entrepreneurs, many of them coming out of big organisations, many of them with really fantastic ideas. Every last one of them who was willing to throw in their job and, and really give something a crack. And, um, and, and so it wasn't hard at all for us um, to find we've invested in, in 11 businesses over the past 12 months. Uh, we could have invested in more and we're quite convinced over the next couple of years we can invest in uh, you know, potentially 100 businesses in, in the fintech space. Um, okay, uh, let me just bring, thank you, yeah. uh, Marcus in here. Um, I mean, do you think it's a problem for Australia that, sorry, Marcus, not this Marcus, uh, do you think it's a problem for Australia that we simply can't, we don't have the, the venture capitalists that can cut the 50 to $300 million check that we're seeing coming out of the Silicon Valley? Or do you think that's just, you know, we wait for 10 years and accelerate and incubate and all the stuff that we're seeing now is going to improve to the point that we do have the sophisticated capital that's going to follow that. Yeah, I mean, we're in a classic chicken and egg situation when we talk about the license, the campaign monitors, the all sports. Um, but, you know, those companies, um, yeah, they were going for bigger check sizes, but obviously Australia didn't have the capacity to do at least not the venture capital space, and maybe the private equity players weren't, weren't willing to listen. But, um, you know, once once an Australian VC does participate in one of the up-and-coming companies that does go for bigger rounds and obviously goes through an exit and realises those, um, uh, those potential gains that they have over that time, that's going to accelerate the ecosystem, that's going to accelerate more VC funding coming into the market, um, more um, private, private money being available. However, now we're talking about, you know, that's still the bigger stage. Um, right now, you know, only a small handful of companies are getting funded by VC and, you know, the mass majority are missing out, and it's not because they're bad ideas. It's 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 um, it's just a volume game. Yeah. There's only so much amount of money that you can invest, and you're trying to pick you know the top the top five percent of whatever you may be seeing. Um, but that doesn't mean that the ninety five percent you don't invest in is, is is a flop. I mean, a lot of them go off to succeed, and, and most of them um, you know and perform better than the ones you did select. And yeah. obviously, that's that's the. Right, and a lot of VCs I talk to don't see the, 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 any problem in deal flow. I mean, would you? 
That's right. I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's not it's not a deal flow situation. Right. And and you know, if, if you if you've got the best idea, you know, you're, you're going to get funded. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just a matter of there's not enough money to go down the spectrum in terms of the quartiles and the, the other the yeah. other guys that are trying to, to raise money. So, so Daniel, you've done what uh, what a lot of Aussie entrepreneurs have not been able to do, which is to raise a sort of you know Series A, you know, ten million dollar size deal. Um, I mean, so, what's your perspective on it? Is uh, I mean, I, I'm hoping to think that you're going to become a billion dollar business and create several hundred millionaires, and they'll all start becoming angel investors and just build it all up. I mean, is that what we need to do? Or? Hopefully, um, I think um, we've only raised money up to ten million dollars, and we've we've had three rounds of, of capital raising. And I have to say, we actually found there was reasonable appetite in Australia. I think um, we're probably helped by the fact we had a partnership with a UK company that had a track record, so, so, so that helped. But, you know, we speak, spoke to a lot of investors, and in the end, a lot of it came down to where was the fit. It wasn't the availability of capital, we were oversubscribed. So I think if you've, if you've got the right idea, if you've got um, the right team, and I think maybe part of that is there's sometimes a disjoint between people who have a real understanding of technology and a dream versus those that have maybe the financial background to be able to go and raise capital. And I think um, maybe that's less of a problem from FinTech because often there is a bit of both, but not always. And I think maybe we were quite fortunate we had a bit of both in our team. So raising capital has never been a problem for us. But I think you raise a really interesting point when you do want to raise a lot more money, where do you go? So, um, you know, our race there in the United Kingdom has raised £20 million and they're quite a separate entity to us. But you know, that's, you know, in Australian dollar terms, that's a reasonable amount of money. Could we do that in Australia? I think it would definitely be challenging. And so it leads you to come to the ASX or it leads you to, to overseas markets, maybe complement a local raiser. Yeah. Um, and whether that's a bad thing or not, um, I guess it's a bad thing. Um, um, but as long as you've got enough Australian investors in early on, it's a low valuation. If you bring in some foreign expertise and things, maybe, you know, maybe it's just part of it for a while. But I think that's going to change. Um, and then others are looking at raising quite significant funds. So I think we've made a huge amount of progress in the last year. Um, just, you know, um, the amount of people who have been interested in fintech, the amount of people who are interested in investing in fintech. It's quite exciting to think yeah. what's going to happen. So, so you're unique out here because you're sort of sitting across both of the things we want to talk about. So we can define the problem, like sure. how you've, you've had a startup and you've actually solved that problem by raising money, but you're also helping the uh, you know, in the sense of your technology or your product is helping to define what others are, are, are going to be able to do. So, absolutely, on that side. Of it. Absolutely, I think the opportunity of fintech is absolutely enormous in this company and this country. Um, when you think of most other industries have been disrupted by finance in some way or another, really, there's only finance and, and mining that haven't. And if you look at the Australian economy, where the banks the profit before tax is about 2.5% of GDP. I mean, that is absolutely vast. It's the highest in the OECD. Um, and there is a, inherently a lack of competition in our markets. And I think um, technology-led businesses can change that. And so, um, you know, it, I think what will happen is we will reduce the profit pool. It won't be, you know, just taking part of that profit. If we look at the ending, it's all about having scale and passing on the benefits to consumers. And so, you know, we don't think we're going to be taking all of the profits from the personal loan market. We think that we will be taking, changing the personal loan market so that, you know, people get a better deal. Yeah. So now I'm going to start going out to, to the audience for some, some questions shortly. So um, stand by. Um, so 
Paul, um, you've got a background in, uh, in the telco industry. I mean, you were at Optus for, for a chunk of time. So Optus has got its, uh, you know, Singtel parent, its Optus Innovate or the Singtel Innovate uh, corporate venturing arm. Uh, Telstra has uh, slightly, surprisingly, in my view, but very well uh, created Murudi, which is a, a corporate accelerator. So, I mean, what's your view with your, you know, part private sector hat on, part government hat on of the role of this sort of corporate or almost state-sanctioned uh, accelerators or, or incubators? Uh, well, I think they, they clearly did as well. I think, um, you know, a number of people have made the comment about a sense of scale building. Uh, my observation is, you know, working in public policy in this space over quite a number of years, working for a previous communications minister in the 90s, uh, travelling to, to the US, to Europe, to Israel, you've got a sense of energy and activity in the startup space, in IT-based businesses, that it was hard to find in Australia. That's been a, a massive change over the last 15 years. So I think there's building momentum. I think the fact that the big corporates are jumping on board uh, is very much to be celebrated. Uh, and I think the thing that the sector is doing well and needs to keep doing is demonstrating the benefits in terms of benefits to customers, uh, more innovation, uh, jobs, growth, opportunities. Uh, those are the things that uh, you need to keep making the case about in terms of, OK, then, here are, for example, some facilitating regulatory changes that government can make. And I'll just maybe follow up with a question there. So a lot of the success I was reading in the Crossroads report was about the follow-on matching funds. So I think Singapore, the UK, even New Zealand, they have, you know, if you invest $100,000 of angel money, say they're going to come in with either a matching amount or matching plus. Is this something you guys are considering? Uh, well, all I'd say on that is that the more that arguments are made to government, the more that you're demonstrating the case about this is what other jurisdictions, other markets are doing, then the, the, the stronger the case is. Beyond that, um, uh, I'll, I'll leave that to people uh, as uh, on a higher pay grade. Okay. All right. So uh, let, me let, 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 let me ask Ben the same question. So when you launched AWI Ventures last year, it's obviously successful because this event would not have happened without it because Equitize came out of that. Um, you would like some matching funding or follow-on funding to, to come off the back. In, in fact, I don't want to put words in your mouth, so what, what's your view on this sort of follow-on so, funding? Uh, um, a really sort of capitalist view on this. I, I think it's, it's... I certainly don't see it as the government's job uh, to pick winners and, and um, really think it's the government's job to fund venture capital uh, or, or to... Or to um, uh, to, to try and fund fund the industry on an ongoing basis. Now, that's not to say there's lots of really interesting things that can be done in terms of driving um, uh, some traction, a sort of catalyzing movement in certain sectors and certain spaces. Uh, I'm not convinced that the sort of a matching funding, one, one man's view, I'm not convinced that the matching funding is necessarily the best way to achieve that. Um, I think Regulatory flexibility has been a big topic today. I think a, you know, a willingness to um, to give early stage businesses a real chance to sort of get up and going uh, is is far more important. I think there's some, some things that can be done in terms of uh, tax advantages, things like the SBCLP program. Um, again, it's actually quite complex to get into, but once you get into it, it's a fantastic, uh, especially a tax-free environment for those who, who don't know what that's about. 
uh, for early stage businesses. So those sorts of things, I think, would have a, a bigger impact. Yeah. I can give some commentary on, on the UK example of where government's taken a view, not on its as a company and not matching funding, but where they've thought this industry is good for the economy, and so we're going to get behind it and support it. And so peer-to-peer lending is a good example there. So the government is lending through the a small number of the major peer-to-peer lending platforms, um, including RateSetter, encouraging these platforms to grow. This is despite the UK government owning two of the largest retail banks, or you know, the largest shareholder into the largest retail banks. Um, they're making it. They're removing information asymmetry between the incumbents and the newer businesses. So that's through you know, comprehensive credit reporting and for SME, you know, transfer of information to credit bureaus as well. They're making investment in these alternative um, platforms um, tax friendly for, for your superannuation. Um, you know, they're doing all they can to actually say we support this industry, we want diversity in it and competition in our financial system. And so there's a huge amount the government can do without it being so explicit as backing the startup. It's more this industry is quite a good idea, we're not going to pick the winner, we're going to lay the platform for more, you know, companies to thrive. Yeah. And just quickly to add to that, I mean, the, the track record of government. Oh, bureaucrats being venture capitalists is a very poor one. You can, you can destroy a lot of taxpayers' money that way. Uh, we're much more interested in facilitating and encouraging markets where private sector individuals and businesses put their money at risk, and if it goes well, they get a great return. Yeah, I'm thinking 30 billion to the car industry it wasn't necessarily. <laughs> uh, I can see that. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll ask one more question and probably um, focus the right uh, to, to Marcus and then maybe Paul just on you know truly disruptive um, fintech. So I mean, there's been a lot of chat about Bitcoin. I mean, the price went up; it fell through the floor. You know, we applied GST. Uh, I know within Tankstream there is a Bitcoin ATM. So, what's your view on Bitcoin, Marcus, and you know, it's or, and digital currency in, in general? We'll clarify that Tankstream Labs is a co-working space, which is different than Tankstream Ventures. So we're not in Bitcoin. Okay, fair enough. Um, Sorry. Definitely feel that um, that's alternative currencies, and, and uh, I guess in the sense of cryptocurrencies, that there is a place for them in terms of the transactional um, facility. Um, Bitcoin's obviously had some downs. I'm not necessarily a proponent of, of that of that particular currency, um, but you know, um, in terms of the finance space in general, I guess fintech. I don't know where we see it. I think there's lots of industries that, that should be classified within finance. And, and that, that, that's, um, that's, the broad, that's the broad name. But if you look at property, um, look at real estate generally, and, and the various different um, subsidiaries of that, um, we've recently um, incubated a, a company called Bricks, which is a, a real estate um, a real estate transaction platform where people can actually invest and buy fractions of real estate uh, residential property. Um, not necessarily crowdfunding. It's it's it's, it's different. It's actually giving liquidity to the marketplace. Yeah. Um, allowing people to enter at a small amount, small price. So we're quite 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 excited about that area area generally. And fintech, you know, even though we don't classify ourselves as a fintech uh, VC, that's that's definitely an area we're looking at, and we're an investor with um, Equitas as well. And, and thanks to Ben obviously for bringing that one to us and involving that down the track. But um, yeah, so those are the two areas that we're quite, quite excited about. Okay, well, I'll ask one, one last question and then I'll throw it over to you. So, Paul, Bitcoin is a, a currency or is it an asset? Uh, it is something that clearly a lot of people are enthusiastic about, and clearly there's more and more substantial economic activity going on there. Um, uh, look, my observation about Bitcoin would be you read some of the things that said about it, and it, it reminds you of some of the sort of 
true libertarian enthusiasm for the early days of the internet where the notion was it was a completely different world, free of regulation, free of government activity. If it's a substantial means of payment that large percentages of the population are using, then it raises all the same issues in terms of um, uh, protecting people against uh, the risk of uh, the value of asset collapsing, etc., etc., that it's a reliable means of payment, store value, all, all those things that have always applied uh, in, in regulation. Of course, with this great complexity that, that applies across the internet generally, that it's the uh, challenge for individual jurisdictions uh, in how you put those safeguards in place. Okay. Let's, uh, let's get some questions from the, the audience. Please. Ah, thank you. This man here. Uh, do you, actually, do you want to just wait for the, the mic? Thank you. Question for Ben. Uh, obviously, we're talking about capital allocation. That's uh, one of the big components of this discussion. One of the biggest capital allocators, obviously, are the super funds, the industry funds, and the future fund. How much engagement and appetite have you had from them in terms of adding capital in this space? So in um, yeah, my, my sort of uh, former roles with, with big organisations, I, I, I dealt a lot with industry funds. Uh, um, uh, my background was actually in the infrastructure space where I dealt a lot with the international infrastructure funds, uh, international sovereign funds, pension funds, etc. Um, and, and I know the Australian funds reasonably well. They have, they have a genuine desire to invest in, in VC. Um, but they have a problem. If you are running a $50 billion fund, it is, it is utterly unviable to make $5 and $10 and $15 million investments. Um, and, and so they require some sort of um, uh, structure in place which allows them to, uh, to be able to participate sensibly. Now, if you're an industry fund, you, you have a, a, an absolute fiduciary obligation to do the best thing for your investors. And as we've mentioned, um, capital is, is entirely portable and there's some pretty experienced, pretty strong VC operators often out of uh, the west coast of the US but elsewhere around the world. Um, we, we shouldn't sort of mince words on this. We, we have to catch up. We actually have to offer a viable alternative. My strong sense is uh, the industry funds and the, and the state funds here uh, are, are, are searching for an excuse to be able to, to back some Australian operators. So that, that's certainly the bet uh, I'm taking, um, uh, and I'm taking that hopefully as an educated bet. Um, I, I think I think it's 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 a little bit. There's also another sort of reality in, in institutional investing, perhaps the same as retail investing, that you kind of need one to go first. And my sense is once you see the likes of the future funds, they actually there's an Australian VC we can back and put some money in. Um, you might see over the 12 or 24 months that follow a whole series of, of things play out. So there's a you know there's a little bit of an opportunity there. And, and I'd like to think that FinTech, because it's getting some interest and so on, might be somewhere where we can make a pretty strong case for the industry and, and in particular VCs. So that the, the industry funds can say, yep, we're actually prepared to back that, back that Australian operator over the alternative. Okay, any other questions? Oh, here we go, we've got one here. 
You got it. Um, this is a, a question to the general panel. Um, I think we've touched on um, small business and this sort of key opportunities in Australia. Um, so working from that and crowdfunding as being a possible solution, um, are you looking at uh, the bridging of that gap um, in the context of just, okay, well, we've got to get to a certain dollar point? Or are you looking at it in that context of which is where I come from, um, that the gap is actually getting bigger, that if you succeed, you succeed really massively. But if you, um, but whilst you can start with the $20 and an internet connection, you're also immediately competing with globe. So I guess, um, how do you see that playing out in the context of the different models that have been discussed? Is it something that is really a VC problem that needs to be fixed, or is it um, something that... Um, an angel investment slash combinatorial um, uh, funding model works best for. I mean, it is track sales and in disproportion in terms of the, the companies that really succeed, they're actually succeeding at a greater degree, and, and then the ones that would be using potentially crowdfunding are not going to be able to compete. Is that? Well, I guess one of the Whilst it's, you're looking at um, you know, seed capital in Australia at, at small, small amounts, you're talking about million-dollar deals being seed capital in San Fran, and that trend is not happening because um, you know, they've got more money to throw at problems, it's that the opportunities are bigger and the minimum success points is bigger. So you know, I feel a little bit like sort of chasing a moving target. Um, rather than just saying, okay, well, there's this big target and we just need to cash in on it. Um, so I'm just wondering whether you see um, that as, as a, um, something that affects all levels of, of the capital flow. Because you talked a lot about the capital chain not being strong enough, um, but is it is it not strong because of that? Or no. Well, the, well, I guess all the things that I mean, generally, I, mean, I think what you're saying is, is, is those big success stories, I mean, they're really becoming unicorns. I mean, the Alassians and the campaign models and everything, and all those, if you see, we strive to get that. You know, we would be quite happy with something that's significantly smaller than that. And whether that comes from um, like a small micro VC funds, which is effectively what we are on a global scale uh, here in Australia, and we're micro VCs. Um, we would be quite happy to back, you know, hundred million dollar, two hundred million dollar business um, that eventually that would be, you know, effectively a unicorn. I think in Australia's, you know, concept. Um, and you know, if people can do that through equity crowdfunding, and you, know, you raise one or two million dollars through a platform, um, or less than that, I mean, it doesn't need to be that high. Um, you know, that is a success in in, in any regard. Really, I mean, you know, become the billion dollar company. That's that's answering your question. I'm not sure. I think it does, but it also talks to the other side of the conversation that come up much, which is that, that you get promotion, you get market validation really quick with a, a crowdfunding um, model versus it being a due diligence process that takes um, your weight. Well, it sort of depends on whether the crowdfunding model is an equity or a product. Is that? You're still out in the, um, the public domain. So. True. Okay, I mean, I don't, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole in that. Uh, so, any other any other questions out there? Yeah, there's one on the middle here. Uh, where's Johnny? How long have we got? Last thing, last. Two more questions. So, okay, I'll, um, I'll see if I can be succinct. Uh, an impression, I guess, to bounce off the panel, um, that deals in Australia 
are uh, there's not much competition from the funding side. So if you go to a, whether it's a, an angel or a VC, there's no real competition. So they go, yeah, yeah, maybe come back later, do something else, you know, do a little bit of extra, and come back and talk then. While the um, perception is in, let's say, Silicon Valley, it's a little more competition. That if there's something interesting, you know, people think, I better take a bite at this, or else someone else will. Is that true? I mean, is it really that you know when you know, and um, you know the guys who are doing a bit of VC? Is it like, eh, interesting, but you know I'll just cherry pick. I know no one else will, and if it's really interesting, they'll come back to me. Or is that just not true? I can jump yeah. in on that one. All right, let's go. Um, I mean, generally, yeah, that's it is a small community. It's recently, I think about a month ago, said about well, it's um, you know. In the US now, you're partnering with other VCs and you're clubbing effectively and syndicating um, deals and entering as two or three um, VCs into a deal. And they said, you know, that's something we should be looking at in Australia. I said, well, it doesn't really matter. It was only like 10 of us. Right? So the, the reality is, I mean, yeah, I mean, we are, I guess, in a, in a cushy position as a VC that we can say, you know what, we really like your idea. I think key from our point of view is market validation. And the team got behind you was talking about what it was. Validate on crowdfunding in a way in terms of the investors coming in, they're actually validating the idea. But in terms of the user side and user engagement and retention, is that it, you know, we obviously want to see it in the best position possible. So, you know, are we going to invest when you've just got an idea and you're about to launch, or are we better off saying then come back in six months when you can show us some traction and, and obviously we've, we have investors' money, so we want to protect that as well. Um, on the flu side, so that, that does work to our favor, and it obviously doesn't help necessarily the startups raising money, and that's, you know, potentially what companies like Equitize, um, you know, can come in and fulfill that angel round. Um, well, we don't consider ourselves angel investors either, but we're a VC, so we want to look at sort of that seed or late, late A, um, sort of late seed or, or A stage rounds. Um, but if you look at the US, then it's easy to raise money. The other, way, the other way of looking at it is that it's an inefficient use of capital. So if here I need to raise $1 million to get my business off, I'm going to use that efficiently. If in the US I can raise $5 million easily, but for the same business proposition, now I'm potentially spending it inefficiently. Because I'm going to go out and get, instead of one guy, I'm going to get 10 guys to do the same job because I'm feeling rushed, I guess, in a way to utilize those funds within 12 months and drive valuation. So I think it potentially, you know, there is an efficient use of capital in Australia because the rounds are smaller and there is more competition to be okay. Daniel, do you have a... I, I think there's, there's also more... Sorry, I'm not trying to um, talk against the VCs and, uh, on the panel, but I think you can look also beyond the VCs. They've also got competition with, you know, the funds within the corporates and high financial with offices and so on. So there are others that people can go to, and I think um, it just comes down to sort of price and appetite, and I think... I don't think too many people are complaining in Australia that the price is that you know, we completely mispriced. I think it's more about the availability. And I'd also say there's limited competition from bad deals. Good deals, yeah. you get competition. <laughs> it's natural. Uh, last question. Oh, uh, no, that's not you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, here we go. I've got one. It actually follows up on the point you just made. Uh, it's, it's kind of unclear in my head. Forgive me if I fluff this. From what you've just said, uh, doesn't that actually just automatically limit the size of the deals that you're going to make? If you're saying late, late stage, we want to actually get in when the thing is pretty proven, that means that somebody who's seeking funding for a larger idea will never get the capital. So what we're saying when we say proven, and we're not looking for revenue necessarily, which a lot of people do, but well, 
Um, again, we're not an angel, but we don't want to invest in an idea. We want to invest in something that has some sort of validation. And somebody comes with an idea, that's all great, and we may accept it, but that doesn't mean that everybody else in the room will. Um, the people trying to go bigger funding rounds, I mean, that's not what we're playing, and we definitely know that there's a gap behind it. I think angel in Australia is doing pretty well. I'm definitely not interested in the US scale, but in terms of where the country is and where the rounds are being filled, angel, angel's pretty good. It's when you get to that stage in, in the VC side, which is not many of us, there's a crunch there, and there's definitely almost non-existent past sort of $5 million capital round, maybe 3 to 5 and, and north of that. So when you're at that growth stage of the fund, then you, know, you, you are in a situation where you have to be, you know, like an Atlassian or somebody else who's going for a $60 million round. There's no way you can get filled here. Unless, unless you potentially get super superannuation money, and, um, like the question before, which, which they have not participated here. And is that a role for the future fund? Right? I mean, the future fund is, you know, they're investing in the future of Australia. However, they invest outside of Australia um, in terms of BC. So I mean, there's, there's various different aspects. Okay, just pointing okay. back, sorry, one more. Just pointing back to what you said, large capital struggles to invest efficiently at small levels. I'm sorry, that actually validates what you just said. Sorry to argue. Yeah, I, I, I might pick up just, just a sort of comment here. I, I actually think um, uh, the, the ecosystem would benefit, and I'm, I'm sure we would all agree, um, the ecosystem would benefit as we start to get more players in the space and, and right through, and, and that's what we need. So the accelerator space, which we have to play in, is the idea space. And, and it's only because we're playing there, and I'll just sort of use this example, that Equitise is here to, to get funding from markets, and, and it needs to then go the next step after that, and, and possibly has to look offshore. Hopefully, we get this sort of evolution of the market here. We need that. I think that's healthy. I think that will create a bit of um, uh, competitive spirit in terms of VC saying, actually, we are prepared to sort of, um, you know, we'd like to wait six, four months, but actually we really think this idea is worth taking a punt, and we know a lot of our 17 competitors rather than three or four competitors is going to grab before you go. So I think that evolution is going to create a stronger marketplace. Okay, well, let's call it a day there. So thank you to Daniel Paul. Uh, I mean, give up uh, uh, camera for us tonight. So uh, Marcus and Ben, that was uh, terrific. Uh, I think Johnny's got a bottle of Grange for us all, so we'll... we'll... Uh, startup? I'm, I'm not sure if you heard about that. Um, and Lean Startup. But uh, thank you very much, guys. Uh, something that was touched on, which is what we're all about, is... We're making capital more efficient and ideally plugging a hole in the early stage capital chain. So we have a strong belief that equity crowdfunding will do a great amount to help boost a lot of ideas. You know, a lot of companies will succeed, a lot of companies will fail, but we're ultimately going to be making capital markets more efficient. And that's something we're really interested in, really passionate about. Obviously, there's a lot of people in this room that hold that view. So thank you, everyone, tonight for your thoughts and opinions and it seems overall pushing in the same direction uh, which is great and I'd like to uh, encourage you all upstairs for a drink and uh, some food uh, and thank you very much guys. Thanks.